Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Ah, and welcome to Living Free Show uh, on 3CR Community Radio, 855kHz on your AM dial. Thanks to the Ruminations crew for another great show, highlighting issues around homelessness. Hi, I'm Bill, and today my guest is going to share his experience with drug addiction and how Narcotics Anonymous has helped him. Uh, I'd like to welcome John to the 3CR studio this afternoon. Hi, John. Hey, hi, how are you doing? Well, the show, we usually sort of start early and sort of work through somebody's life and look at sort of the things that influence them and um, and how how their experience changed their life. So how old were you when you first started using? Um, well, for me, I first picked up alcohol when I was 13, um, hanging around with my teenage mates at commission flats, and um, I'd been locked up in boys' homes and beforehand, and, um, and I always felt I wasn't a part of. I felt like I was different all the time. You know, I didn't feel connected to my mates. But I had a drink of alcohol and I didn't like the taste of it. But how it made me feel. You like the effect, yeah. I love the effect and yeah. um, it made me feel I was a part of. It made me feel I did belong to my mates and I was important. It made me feel in the centre. Um, yeah, and, and I got to loving the taste of it because of the way it made me feel. And then about a year later, you know, uh, marijuana became involved and didn't like the coffin on the bong, but the way it made me feel. Yeah, I got again. To like, <laughs> got to like it and love it. And, yeah, for me, you know, after that, you know, I was still waking school and doing... So, so how old were you? 13, 14. Yeah, OK. Uh, yeah. Um, 13, 14, and, yeah, and I was still waking school, doing crime and going in now... I was going into um, Toronto Youth Training Centre and I'd become institutionalised. You know, I was locked up more than I wasn't and I was, you know, always making these grand plans. You know, when I get out, I'm going to get a job and a car and a licence and, you know, writing this to my parents and they weren't alcoholics or drug addicts. You know, they worked and provided for me and the best they could and... Um, yeah, and I always had these grand plans. Yeah, but I'd always get locked up, you know, and um, do what I always did. And then I was always going to get my act together and start things, do things different, and never going to end up in Pentridge. But I ended up in Pentridge at yeah. 17. And um, I was scared, you know. But I'm I, sure, yeah. But you don't talk about your feelings in prison. No. <laughs> no. I lived on a front. Yeah. So what did your parents think when you were using? Uh, or no, drinking? I, yeah. Oh, I, I, I didn't know what they were thinking. You know, I don't know what's in people's minds, but I had a, a lot of guilt and shame in myself, you know, as a human being. You know, um, yeah, I felt false because I was always making... As I understand today, broken promises, and um, and I would never, you know, fulfil these promises that I was always 
kind of going to do. Yeah. But deep down, as a human being, I wanted to do. But I didn't see alcohol and drugs as as the problem. No. But the police were the problem yeah. <laughs> at that part of my life. Yeah. You know, so how did you fund your drinking and... Doing, doing crime. Right. Yeah. And um, bludgeoning off other people, and, as they did with me too. You know. Yeah. Um, you know, and... Um, what happened for me? You know, I ended up in Pentridge, and um, yeah, and I'm, I'm pretty good with art. You know, so I was accepted. You know, drawing letterheads and poems, and doing a lot of drawing, and then doing tattooing in prison as well. So I was accepted. And, you know, but I was always planning, talking, talking. If I got a letter every day, I felt okay. If I never got a letter, I didn't feel good. You know, box, back in those days was box visits once a fortnight and, you know, if I got a visit, great. And, you know, and I was always anxious. Yeah. yeah. And always talking, thinking, thinking, you know, and, um, and then, you know, I used to smoke hashish in jail and homebrew now and again and pop a mandrakes and now and again and um, they give me some remission. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, some time out within myself, and, and then, but I never got into uh, IV drugs, and uh, but I knew some of the guys that were doing it, and they looked pretty relaxed. Yeah. So I got a suspicion something's going on here, and they offered me some, and um, yeah, and I was physically in prison, but I was numb, mentally free. Yeah. 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 And um, no care in the world, and I got well, I loved it. But I was still always talking about changing my life. You know, now parole boards, parole plans were happening, and um, yeah, I'm going to get a job, get a car, get a license, broken record. Yeah. <laughs> you know, now I'm getting older, I want to get a partner, some kids, and settle down. You know, that normal stuff in the community. Didn't think of the responsibilities that went with that, but I was going to do it. Yeah, and um, you know, I got out, got out from Pentridge, and I got introduced to speed and thermomines, and, and I thought I'd, you know, I felt more complete than I ever did in my life, and uh, within myself, and um, yeah, and I went on to, you know, selling drugs and using drugs every day. But, you know, like, yeah, all drugs, but mainly speed and, um, and and that 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 part of my life, I thought, you know, I started out of prison for four years and I thought, this is a solution to me staying out of prison, selling drugs. Selling drugs, yeah. That's you know, a, good, it's a <laughs> positive know, one, isn't you know, it? Because I'm not jumping through people's windows or jumping on counters yeah. or doing anything dishonest. I'm just selling drugs. Yeah. For me, at that point in my life, that was my truth. But I had to use drugs to feel normal every day. Yeah. And um, after four years, I ended up with no money, no drugs, and um, owed a lot of money. And I blamed everybody else, you know. I was my own best customer, and um, I ended up back in Pentridge. And I, I got caught for crime to pay drug debts, and um, I ended up back in Pentridge, and... Um, 
and that's how I was got introduced to NA. Okay, um, yeah. I heard about a court diversion thing, uh, detox rehab stuff. So yep. when when was that? How long ago was that? 1984. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, 1984, and um, never heard of detox or rehab or anything, but I just had enough I didn't want to come go back to prison anymore you know and um but I didn't have a problem at that within me at that part of my life I didn't have a problem with drugs I just had a problem with dealers and um with life and, yeah. yeah with um police yeah <laughs> you know, I didn't have no problem and um when I had a drug I felt okay when I didn't have a drug I felt sick you know and but I got introduced, I got out on a court diversion thing and I had to go to a place in uh, Preston three times a week to give urines and, and I had to go to an NA meeting in the city every Wednesday night and I didn't want to go and I had no, at that part of my life I had no desire to stop using drugs, I just had a great big desire not to go back to prison. Yeah, right, well it's, it's part of it's positive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so but, how how did the people in NA treat you, given that you really didn't want to give up the drugs? I just said, I'll see you at the next meeting. Right, uh, yeah. Um, there was a guy there, I can still picture him in my memory, you know, he had long blonde hair and reading glasses on, you know, like, um, you know, I thought he was John Lennon. Yeah. You know, um, and all I thought about in that meeting was getting back in the car and having some speed, and that's what I did. But for me, thinking back, you know, the first time I made a decision to stop using drugs, I didn't get this court diversion thing when I went to court. I was sentenced back to prison and um, I made a decision a decision to um, get myself right. No, there was an old guy in prison that said that he uses prison to his advantage to get himself right, which he couldn't do on the outside. Yeah. And I took that on. I heard something from someone else's experience, which I started to practice in myself. Yes, yeah. And um, I started to sleep okay in prison, started to eat well, do weights, you know, do drawing and get really involved in my art and, and tattoos and stuff and um, started to think a lot more clearly. And, yeah, prison saved my life. Looking back, that was the reality. Yeah. Well, that area of my life. Yeah, well, once you get the enthusiasm back... You can you're self supporting. You can keep on going. It's when yeah. you lose that enthusiasm for life that yeah. you're gone. And, yeah. And for me, you know, I felt false in myself. You know, just before getting out. You know, same old thing. You know, as I've done for many years before. You know, writing to my parents, we're going to get a job, get a car, get a license, all that stuff, that normal stuff that people do in the community. You know. But I'm going to go and party first and catch up with my mates. I haven't seen a girl for a while. I'm going to party up, I'll do that other stuff later. Yep. And I ended up back in prison scratching my head what happened. So, uh, do you know how many times you've been to prison? Have you have you lost count? Lost count. Yeah. You know, like I um worked it out, you know, adult prisons from when I was seventeen uh, just over ten years. I've done yeah, ten years in prison um um, you know, I would go back for short periods of time in prison, um, but I'd stay clean in prison and, um, and I always felt better in myself as a human being, you know. 
and because um, every time I went in, I wouldn't use, yep. and um, wouldn't use drugs or alcohol in prison, home, you know, home brews, and then when I get out, you know, the more drugs I used, the more I wanted and needed, and I'm yep. a lot more desperate, and yep. then I got caught. I went over to Perth and. Um, yeah, I got caught. I was using drugs pretty full on and um, every day. And then I got caught for robbing a bank and um, got seven and a half years in prison. I just gave up on myself and life. And um, and I used as much as I could in that prison sentence and um, ended up with a heroin habit. And um, and I overdosed on heroin in prison and um, I had to do longer in prison then. I was supposed to, and um, yeah, due to dirty urines and and you know, etc. And um, yeah, and um, and I got got paroled to a drug and alcohol rehab in Perth, and we had to go to NO meetings and every day. Was that better every day? Yeah, I stayed there for ten days, and then I left. You know, and yeah. you know. As I understand now, the disease of a, of drugs within me was more greater than your know, desire. Yeah, yeah, my desire to stop. And yeah. um, but what intrigued me was people there were talking about living a life that I was always planning on doing. And I thought something good's going on here, but I don't know what it is. Planted the seed. Yeah, yeah. something something's going on here that. Good and um, but I left that rehab in 1994 and flew back to Melbourne and um, I breached my parole and um, I was back in Melbourne and um, and I became institutionalised to detoxes and rehabs and I'm really grateful for that today. You know, I've been sober and clean now over 12 and a half year, 12 years and seven months today, and you know, and um. But in that time, you know, like it was every time I went to detox, people from NO would come in and speak and you know and share their experience, strength and hope. And then I'd end up in a rehab and go to meetings. Most of them going to meeting based and um, <clears throat> and uh, uh, more stuff was getting planted in me. You know, something good's going on here. But I ended up in a rehab. In St Kilda, and um, yeah, and I didn't like it there, but I stayed there for six months. And um, was, was that Gally Amble? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I stayed there for six months, and um, had a rehab romance with one of the girls from the girls' houses, and um, we left on our merry way. She got a daughter out of foster care, and um, she ended up working in the rehab that she'd left, and you know, I stayed clean. Going to meetings pretty much every day. We had a, we had a son, yeah. Two dogs, two cats. Yeah. I've got a no. car. I've got a license. <laughs> you know, and yeah. um, we had a son, and um, yeah, Reggie, and um, yeah, and but I always had that reservation. Am I an addict or am I not? You know, I wasn't fully convinced in myself, and um, and I couldn't let go of my old. Associates. No. So, so talking back to am I an addict or am I not, so what do you believe now defines an addict? 
Oh, for me, once I start, I just can't stop. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. You know, I'm, you know, for me, I related to other people's experience in NO to my own, you know, but I'm so self-righteous and controlling, you know, and no, I'm not really. The people on heroin now, they're the drug addicts. Yeah. You know, that's what, how I yeah. believe that that part of my life, you know, I'm a speed freak, amphetamines, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I was confused. But after that relapse, after nearly two years clean, and in that two years, my living and life ch- turned around, and I become um, all the stuff that I was planning on doing. Some of it was happening, yeah, as a result of being clean, yeah, and going to meetings pretty much every day. Yeah. So, how long did you relapse? Two months. Okay, it's not uh, it's not long, is it? But it's enough. Oh, it was horrible, you know. Um, once I, oh, you know. Um, Looking back, it was horrible, you know, but it was then. You know, I used to go to meetings and say, oh, I'm an eight and I'm clean today, and, you know. But in my mind, I'd think, am I really an addict? But that relapse helped me to accept that I am. Yep. I related to other people's experience in NNA, in NNA that, you know, that they're an addict. It was that relapse that I accepted that I am, that once I start, I can't stop. Yep. And um, yeah, I stayed clean for nearly two years again, but the relationship ended. And um, we had another son in that time. And I ended up a single parent with two baby boys, uh, eight months old and 21 months old. Wow. And um, no, no, I thought, this is not my planning in life. When I get out of prison, I'm going to be changing bums all day. Yeah. I didn't even know how to cook. You yeah. know? But looking back... I asked people in NA how to stop because I wanted to stop and stay stopped. Yep. And they say in meetings, you know, just stay clean one day at a time. But I didn't want to use again. You know, but I stayed clean for my kids. Yeah. Yeah. For my sons. Yeah. You know, and um, which is not a perfect reason, but it's pretty good. Oh, it was yeah. a good, good, good kick, start. good kick start, as yeah. I say it, looking yeah. back. Um, and. Uh, it was hard work, you know, but in NA I asked for help for going stopping using drugs and then I was, st- you know, staying stopped for longer periods of time than I'd ever done before. So something was really going and my living was changing. Yeah. But I was experiencing changing me too. But, yeah, but, you know, yeah. but, the restlessness, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they say restless, irritable and discontent, you know, that's all new language to me, never heard them before, you know, well, mm. for me, I'm resentful, I'm fearful, you know, I'm six foot two and a half, saturated in tattoos and, you know, <laughs> done a lot of years in prison, you know, I'm tough, you know, but I have to accept I'm not, you know, and, you know, and, um, yeah, that's restless, irritable and discontent stuff, you know, look, I'm either resentful on something that's not going my way or they're not being the way I'd like them to be or I'm fearful. Yeah. But then they gave me that realisation to, to find that in myself. Yeah, or, under, or, understanding that it exists, yeah. You know, yeah, then I'm a human being and this stuff is real in, within me. Yeah. But or the discontent, you know, that I've done something that's don't feel right with me. Yeah. And instead of blaming everybody else. 
you know, it's their fault and you know, I like to take responsibility on my own actually. But and they giving me all that realisation yeah. to find who I am yeah. as John the human being. Yeah. You know, and um you know, I stayed clean for nearly two years. People in NA said that the drugs stopped working for them. And I thought they must be getting not good quality old, drugs. Yeah. Not getting good quality drugs because it was happening they were working for me until you know, like I stayed clean for nearly two years for my sons and then I met another girl and she became more important than going to meetings. Yeah. And and I relapsed. Uh, you're listening to The Living Free Show on 3CR, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial and 3CR on digital radio. For Living Free, we've got over 70 podcasts of the show available on our website, which is 3cr.org.au forward slash living free. And if you want to contact us, then you can either call the station on 9419 8377 or send us an email, 3crlivingfree at uh, We're also on Twitter and sometimes on Facebook. Um, I've got a quick community service announcement here. This one's for the um, International Women's Day, uh, Friday the 8th of March on 3CR. Celebrate International Women's Day with 3CR. On Friday the 8th of March, we'll bring you 24 hours of non-stop radio by, for and about women. Join 3CR's fabulous women and genderqueer broadcasters as we talk with talented Melbourne musicians, songwriters, storytellers and activists making a difference. Featuring a special live broadcast from the 2019 International Women's Day Rally at the State Library between 5.30 and 6.30pm. For the full day's program, visit our website at 3cr.org.au. International Women's Day 24-hour broadcast, Friday the 8th of March 2019. Tune in at 855am, 3CR Digital and streaming at 3cr.org.au. My name's Bill and I'm talking with John. We're talking about recovery from drugs, yeah. various drugs, uh, with John and um, talking about how Narcotics Anonymous can help. Um, so you had um, two, two kids probably under two years old oh. on your own, um, staying clean, um, staying clean for the kids, oh. but there's more to life. So what, what happened? Well... I met this, as I was saying earlier, I met this other girl and she became more important than going to meetings. I was obsessed with her and and I picked up picked up drugs again and um, and I wasn't enjoying it, you know. Like, drugs gave me confidence and, and everything and now I'm using drugs and I'm not wanting to and um, I'm overdosing on anthetamine, speed and um, heroin and... Um, yeah, and I wasn't enjoying using it, and I went, oh. Now, that's what the people in NA say, you know, that the drugs stopped working, it stopped working for them, and I was experiencing that within myself, and um, it was a horrible existence within myself, and um, I didn't like myself, you know. I used to, you know, drugs used to give me confidence, and now it was making me feel a hundred times worse, and I went, oh, you know, and I'd still go to meetings, you know. So what were the people in meetings doing? Were they doing the same thing, just saying, see you next week, see you uh, tomorrow? I was going to meetings a lot, 
you know, even while using, you know, yep. but feeling awful in myself. And um, but I didn't want to use, and I knew the people in meetings um, just stay stay clean, yep. you know. And I wanted to get clean, but you know, and I do a few detoxes and stuff. But people in meetings are so, you know, like, you know, we'll see you at the next meeting, John. You know, I remember this meeting on a Tuesday night. You know, classes my home group. In Footscray, and um, well, I was born in Footscray, and yeah, and um, and I was still using speed, and you know, I was dragging my kids to meetings, and you know, and um, I was never told to go away. Yeah, I was always yeah, we'll see you again, John. You know, always keep, welcome. Keep yeah. coming back. You yeah. Know? yeah, and um, but I didn't go to this one particular meeting on a Tuesday night for about three weeks. So I must have had a lot of drugs or money or something, and. But I'll be sitting at home and thinking, oh, I should be there, you know. But this girl sent me a text and she said, John, are you OK? I haven't seen you for a while. I thought, she wants to marry me. <laughs> <laughs> and But she didn't want to know how much money I had or how much drugs I had. She just wanted to know if I was OK. Yeah. That actual message, I kept on my phone for years, you know. She's still a good friend today. And, yeah. Um, she didn't want to marry me either. <laughs> she just wanted to know if I was okay, you know. And but it got me back to the meeting, yeah. you know. And um, and um, it really touched me, and still does today, you know. So people care, yeah, you know? yeah, um, <laughs> big yeah. time, yeah. And um, yeah, and uh, that was a new experience, you know. Every day is a new experience, and you know my. Um, but then I, the last rehab I went into, you know I um. I'd been awake on speed for six days and nights beforehand, and um, I didn't like myself, and um, I was thinking my kids are better off with someone else than a worthless piece of junk like me. Um, yeah. You know, I didn't know what to do, but I phoned up my mentor sponsor and they had a rehab that he had opened and um, and I said, I don't know what to do. You know, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what happened. And um, he suggested something to me and then I rang him up and said, have you got a bed? And then I had a friend, she, Jess, she was, Jessica, she was looking after me boys. They were only young and... Um, and I'm really grateful for that. And uh, I said, can you please look after me, boys? I've got to go in the rehab. She said, for sure. Yeah. You know, that's her favourite Good word. friend, yeah. 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 And I went in the rehab. I slept for four days and nights, medicated, and um, I was, it was the worst detox I'd ever done in my life. I was screaming in pain and, you know, sweating, and, you know, it was horrible. And um, I was on medication for three days after that. And in desperation, you know, I've never been so desperate, you know. I used to be desperate to get drugs. Yeah. Uh, but now I was desperate not to get drugs, to stay clean in a 12-step program. I said, well, just tell me what I've got to do. I really want to do it. Yeah. You know, and um, <coughs> I was there for three weeks and um, I went through this 12-step program to the best way that I could understand it at the time. And um, I left there with um, 
with the least of what I felt awful about within myself, stuff that I've created harm towards, you know, and um, like to make amends stuff. Yeah, step up. This is all new stuff to me, you know, but um, I wanted to experience it because people, and I know they seem pretty happy about being clean, but I was being clean in the past, but I was never. Never happy, happy, yeah. And I wanted to be. I wanted to feel comfortable about being John, the human being, and um, yeah, and um, because in my past, you know, oh, I would if I could, but I can't, so I won't, so bugger them anyway, you know, that's how I used yeah, to think, yeah. you know, we're living on this front, you know, but yes. deep down inside about John being the human being, being John, um, how's that possible? You know, yep. I spoke with my um, sponsor about that stuff, how I could do it. You know, and um, you know, I made amends to some of my family, you know, and um, ex-wife, and you know, all this, you know, um, stuff that I didn't like myself about, without expectations, and but I like the. I did have some expectations, you know. I had to go through all that. And, yeah, that's normal, isn't it? Yeah, it's just, yeah, um, yeah. But for me, you know, like especially to my sons, you know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that for you, you know. But I've done nothing in the past, and I had a lot of guilt and shame in myself. And um, friends in NA said that the only way you can not say sorry. It's about showing sorry is by staying clean. Just keep coming back here, yep. John. Don't leave. Now they say at meetings, don't don't leave before the miracle happens. Now, what miracle? <laughs> you know, well, for me that miracle is about being comfortable, about being John. You know, What's it all? Yeah. You know, yeah, and you know, um, I left that rehab after three weeks, and. Um, his sponsor said to me, he said, John, what do you want to do when you get home? Uh, and um, I said, well, I want to stay clean. Uh, he said, it's good to hear that, number one. You know, and, um, and I said, I want to bring up my sons and I love them dearly. And um, they were only young at the time. They're 19, 20 now. Yeah. And, um, uh, and, um, and I said, I want to do tattoos and get tattoos. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, and well, I'm saturated in tattoos. I do tattoos, you know, but a lot of other good things have happened, you know. But life brings up new situations and challenges, yeah. And, yeah. um, you know, you know, I've just been helped and loved and cared about by, you know, by people in, um, and then I, and, um, in the community, you know, but I was over six years clean. And I mentioned earlier that I was, you know, I'm four years in prison in Perth and I was paroled to a drug and alcohol rehab and, um, and I left that rehab after 10 days and flew back to Melbourne. So I had a warrant on me for breach of parole in 2013, 12. I was arrested in Melbourne and extradited back over to Perth to go back to prison. That must have been really hard. It was. You know, I was, um, my boys were on a YMCA camp. I'd just finished work, just about to jump in the shower, and there was that famous knock on the door. Yeah. 
uh, detectives and DHS for me kids, and um, you know, I was handcuffed, and you know, and um, the first thought coming to me mind, I want to use, you know, because I always had these reservations stuff, you know, if I ever got locked up in prison again, I'd use, or if one of my sons died, I'd use, or yep. whatever, you know, or if I had a bad car accident, I'd use, or whatever, you All know, that, yeah, and um, but. When I thought that, you know, I couldn't use, I was in handcuffs and arrested, you know, but I had a lot of fear for my sons and um, well, what happened was, you know, I remember a lady, and an Aboriginal lady, and, and I saying that she's powerless over the thoughts that come into her mind about picking up a drink or a drug. And I went, yeah, me too. Like, I don't want to use, but I'm, I have those thoughts, Yeah, you know, and... Um, but you know, it gives her the responsibility of the next thought. Yeah. Um, so I was able to put that into practice and it got rid of the thoughts, you know. Even today, you know, stuff comes up sometimes, yeah. you know. Where'd that come from? Yeah. You know, I'm powerless over those thoughts. But I went to prison and um, over in Perth five days later, I'm in, I'm in prison in Perth. and um, Wow, it's quick. That was hard. Yeah. You know, I was extradited by the armed robbery squad and... Uh, and um, yeah, it was hard. You know, I've been out of prison for a long time, and yeah, um, I was clean for over six years, um, and loving my life, my living. And, yeah, you know, where my boys were going, and you know, in their experiences of life at that age, and um, yeah, and then all of a sudden, you know, topsy turvy, something's changed, and. Um, I used to think love was good sex. Yeah. Uh, and, um, but for me, at that part of my life, you know, but I was in prison and in Perth and um, I was just looked after, you know. I got some NA members on my phone list and I was able to talk to a couple of those guys and people and um, speak to me sponsor once or twice a week and... Um, yeah. He'd bring me back to the reality. I felt like punching him sometimes. You know? <laughs> you know, I was all worried about my kids, I'm worried about my dogs, I'm worried about the stuff in my house. Yeah. You know, and then they remember paid for the rent on my house for six months in full, so I couldn't use it. Yeah. Thanks, mate. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so I wouldn't lose it, you know. And um, and then they remember sent all this NA literature to me in prison, and um, and I was there was no NA meetings in the prison that I ended up in, and um. Yeah, and um, yeah, but I was able to go to an AA meeting, and um, yeah, and, that, and the two old ladies used to come in once a week, you know, and yeah. that was, you know, I was really appreciative of that, and um, yeah, and I got out in the night to stay in Perth for two and a half months, and I stayed until my parole was transferred back to Melbourne, which I should have done 19 no. years before. Yeah, I yeah. had to do something different, but I went to NA meetings every day. I was obsessed yeah. of going home to my sons, and um, yeah, and uh, I was obsessed, you know. And um, then I remembered that you know, I got freedom. There's a guy in NA who said that he got freedom from all obsessions, and you know, I just had to live into today and you know do the next right thing. But I've got a mind that overtakes it. Yeah, quickly. And I, but I was able to put that into practice, and it was really hard. You know, and then I came back, you know, but going to meetings, you know, brought me back to the reality and some clarity about how things are today. Yes, yeah. 
you know, it was my yeah, it was hard, but it was you know and, manageable. Um, yeah. yeah, and then after two and a half, you know, I stayed with NA members over there. I went to meetings every day, and um, then finally I got that phone call. I was able to come back to Melbourne and jump straight on the plane and came back home. You know, and um, oh, it was a beautiful experience. You know, like in that time when I was in prison, you know, like I experienced um, love and care from people in the community, which helped me feel more part of the community. Yeah, you know, I've had over thirty character references written from people. You know, that's a friend um, organised, you know, to be sent over, and I had copies sent to me in prison of the support letters. You know, I cried. Yeah, oh, yeah, wow. it's, it's nice to you see know, that stuff. Isn't yeah, it? That, yeah, and then that's love in another area. And even when the parole board sat on me and they called me up to the front office in prison, you know, or walked back in the yard, and you know, a lot of the guys in the yard said, "How'd you go?" I said, "I'm out in two days." Yeah. And they go, hey, you know, like, you know, they, you know, experienced, you know, people were caring about me more than I cared about myself, and, you know, and um, I had a lot of guilt and shame, you know, my, this experience happened five years before my sons were born, and, um, yeah, it's a long time, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was, yeah, you know, like, I was, you know, but, yeah. Yeah, my family came running, you know, my niece and great niece, they took me boys for the first three weeks and and that lady, Jess, she um Jessica, she took me boys and moved back into my house and kept them in their normal living routine. Yeah. Back to you know, in school and everything. From it was the same girl that friend that um looked after me boys when I was last in rehab for three weeks and um yeah. It's fabulous, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Uh, you're listening to Living Free on 3CR Digital Radio and live streaming on 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming. Um, I'm, my name's Bill and I'm talking with John and we're talking about recovery from drug addiction and how Narcotics Anonymous and 12-step programs can help. Um, so, John, what what's it like to have a son who has a drug problem when you had a drug problem, what's it like? Do you sort of think back to the way your parents must have felt with you in your dealing with your son? Yeah, like my my mother said that when she when I was in prison, she used to have a good night's sleep. Yeah, because um, she knew you were safe. Yeah, yeah. but I, at the time when she said that, you know, and um, she said, because I know where you are and I know you're alive, you know, and... Um, and at the time she said that, it was in the early 80s, you know, like, early 1980s, you know, like, like what? You know? Um, how dare you? Now, yeah, how, yeah, that's, that was my way of thinking when I was young. And <coughs> But now, you know, I've, you know, one of my sons is in prison and um, I love him dearly, you know, and but I know where he is and I know he's alive and I know he's OK, you know, and... Um, yeah, and I really relate to that, what my mother said, you know. Um, yeah, you know, my, well, I'm so powerless, you know. You know and, um, yeah, that's my pain, and it's brought back a lot of uh, fear of stuff that I've experienced, that they're going to, my other son as well, and, um, you know, he's not locked up, and, um, you know, 
He's at home and um, but uh, and, um, I love what I experienced in life and um, you know, I experienced some horrific stuff and seen some horrific stuff and that they're going to experience it. Yeah. And um, it's brought, brought up a lot of traumatic stuff for me and in fear. Um, but I'll go and see a trauma psychologist. Yeah. And that's been really helpful for me. I'm seeking outside help. Um, help me bring back into the reality of what's true and false. And yeah, uh, A lot of it's acceptance, isn't it? Accepting that a person is an alcoholic or an addict and there's nothing you can do about it yourself apart yeah. from be there if they need help. Oh, for sure. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm always there, and, but I've got to look after me too. And you know, I'm 60 this year and... You know, I want to feel comfortable about being John, the human being, and yeah, um, and, um, yeah, and accept, you know, accept the things I can't change, courage to change the things I can, which is me to accept it. Yeah, and it's just the way it is. Yeah, but um, my sons and friends who are still in active drug addiction and um, you know, who I have good thoughts for every day, you know. Yeah, they're good people. Um, yeah, good people, bad situation. Yeah. Yeah, but that's their choice, and you know, yeah. like, and uh, but I, I love and care for them, and I, um, but they know where to go. You know, my sons have been brought up in NA conventions everywhere. You know, Gold Coast, Sydney, Adelaide. So they know, know where to go when they want help. Spiritual retreats. Yeah. 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 You know, and um, yeah, you know, they know where to go, and they. You know, my older son and my youngest, my son say to me, you know, where are you going to? Oh, I'm going to a meeting. Well, have a good meeting, Dad. Yeah. You know? And um, and that brings, you know, you know like my sons remember what I was like when I was using. I'm know? sure, yeah. My, my um, older son a few years ago said to me, you know, he said, Dad, what do you go to these bloody meetings all the time for? You know? I said, can you remember when I was drinking and using drugs? He said, yeah, you were crazy. Yeah. No, I said, no, I didn't think about it, it just came out. You know, I said, well, thanks. You know, I'll go there to say thank you that I'm not as crazy. You know, I used to go to church a long time ago. And he said, but how come you go to church then? You know, I said, oh, to say thank you for the week. Yeah. He's never questioned me since. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, and I never thought it just came out that way. And for me, that's true. You know, I love mixing with people that believe in something out of themselves, have a suspicion of something out of themselves, yeah. or believe in something out of them. I can see that in people's eyes. Yeah, that's yeah. I'm, since when I got out of the last rehab, I um, you know, want to stay clean and bring up my sons and do tattoos and get tattoos. You know, of, uh, through an NA member, I started mowing lawns and doing gardening and started up my own little business and, you know, I'm still practising that today and, um, you know, but you know, I started doing a play, you know, I've been to Brisbane, Sydney and Melbourne in this play and that's been a beautiful experience, you know, I never planned that when I got out of rehab or out of jail and, and I love it, you know, yeah. you know, and um, there was a play called The Chat and, um, yeah, and um, the people in that play, you know, they've become close friends and family. And um, 
they're, you know, like in this play, you know, one minute I'm a priest. Yeah. <laughs> um, cleansing a guy from his criminal past, you know, with his prior convictions, shredded paper and um, changed roles and some nights and I'm a parole officer interviewing an actor on um, David on a parole breach. Yeah. You know, it's like I've had four breaches of parole in my past. I'll just use one of them. It's like interviewing myself. Yeah. <laughs> but finding my true self in the process, yeah. you know, um, and that's a beautiful experience, you know. And, that, you know, that, and for me in that play, you know, to give people in the community, the audience, and, you know, that um, once an addict, always an addict is alive. I, I know that within my true self. And yeah. it's helped me to recognise that, you know. Yeah. Um, I can't use drugs just once. No, you know, once you start. On, yeah. on what they call um, a pig. <laughs> I just can't stop once I start. And um, yeah, but you know, that people in the community, you know, once, once an act, you know, like um, once a crim, always a crim is a lie. I just made some mistakes in life, you know. Uh, for me, my service in NA today is, you know, I love going to detoxes and and um, coming on this show. Yeah, you know, spread the um, me- spread the word, uh, spread the message, and yeah. um, at last possible for anyone, you know, yeah. away from drug addiction. But you know, it gave me that suspicion. Now it's my reality. You know, I go to NA, go to detoxes that, you know, to do what they call H and I, hospital and institutions. You know, like to, you know tried to plant a seed of hope in others Um, yeah in others that it's possible for them because I got that from people in there that it's possible for them it's possible yeah maybe it's possible for me but now it's my reality reality. I actually love being clean the thought sneaks in where'd that come from (laughs) (laughs) sometimes and my sponsor says oh you've just been reminded you're an addict John (laughs) Yeah, and I went. Oh yeah, he goes. What are you doing today? I said, I've got to go and pay some bills, and I might go to a meeting and cook some dinner and take my dog for a walk. He said, I'll have a good day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah, take it easy. Uh, well, if anybody's out there that's in- interested in finding out a bit more about Narcotics Anonymous, then you can phone them on oh three five two five. Sorry, five. Sorry, start that again. Oh three nine five two five. 2833 or you can go online at navic.net.au That's about all we've got time for today so I'd like to thank John for coming onto the show this afternoon and talking about his Narcotics Anonymous recovery experience with us. Thanks John. No problems. I hope you'll be able to join us again next week when we'll be talking about the impact of alcoholism on families and we'll be joined by Helen and Christy from Alanon Family Groups. Uh, Stay tuned now for Black Noise Radio hosted by Kerry Lee and featuring black news and views, current affairs, music, sport, culture and the arts, all from an Aboriginal woman's perspective. Thanks again for listening to the Living Free program today.